Talk Radio 570 KVI. It's KVI Want to Know Weekends. KVI Want to Know Weekends. Get ready to raise a toast with Seattle's most spirited hour of talk, Happy Hour Radio. Explore the best in Washington wines, beer, spirits, food, and more with your guide, Seattle sommelier, Christopher Chan. It's Happy Hour Radio, right now on Talk Radio 570 KVI. Well, hello, Seattle. Hello, Puget Sound, and welcome to Happy Hour Radio. I'm your host, Christopher Chan, advanced sommelier, your weekend wine guy, and the, uh, well, the patriarch of Portugal today. Super excited to travel the world uh, on the show here and uh, meet some great people in the industry and, of course, uh, learn about the countries, the origins, the regions, the vineyards, and the wineries of uh, well, all around the world. And today will be Portugal. Um, if you want to learn some things about wine, I suggest that you check out this site called Guildsom. It's the Court of Master Sommiers has a, uh, a charitable uh, arm called the Guildsom, and they do educational events. And we just had a fantastic uh, uh, symposium here in Seattle with uh, champagne and Syrah. Um, and lots of Washington wines, uh, super fun, and at that new place, Block 41. Congratulations in that spot. But uh, I've been to Portugal twice. <laughs> I have some fun stories and some ironic stories about being kind of a naive American. But uh, uh, it's all good because the wines are, are absolutely beautiful, whether you like sweet wines from Oporto or dry wines from the north and Vino Verde and uh, Trajadura, Luero, uh, Alvarino, of course. Uh, and the the vines there are very very old, which makes for great complexity structure in the red dry wines we have, which is are really becoming a fantastic value, and they're very exciting because they use those uh, really hardy grape varieties and make fantastic dry wines. And here today, I have Bruno Sosa, who is the export manager for J. Portugal Ramos Wines. Uh, super excited. This is our first experience to uh, meet face-to-face and, uh, well, uh, ear-to-ear, if it were. Hey, uh, Bruno, welcome to Happy Hour. Hi, Christopher. It's a, it's a pleasure to be here. It's uh, really a true honor. I uh, was completely excited when I got to know that uh, I was having this opportunity to be with you here, guys. And uh, it's for me a true pleasure coming for the first time here to Seattle, actually. It's my, it's been like crazy because this actually reminds me home, you know. Uh, I've been fortunate enough to grow up in a, in a place in Portugal, so I was born in, in the capital, Lisbon. Grew up in an island, Madeira Island, so. Really? Uh, yeah, it's uh, awesome and uh, lots of amazing wines also there. But uh, nowadays I live south of Lisbon, in a city such as beautiful as uh, and rich as Seattle. So close by the sea, close to the ocean, with an amazing weather as this, and amazing food, and f- it's, it's, it's incredible. So it's for me, we don't work. We have One. pleasure what, on what we do, so it's the perfect Shh, setting. Don't say anything like that. <laughs> catch on. Uh, well, yes, welcome from the Atlantic coast to the Pacific coast. Obviously, we have lots in common with that maritime influence. Uh, and actually, I had the Madeira Wine Company on the radio show about seven months ago. Uh, Judd Carroll, a friend of mine, uh, uh, represents that portfolio. So you are a Portuguese native. Um, how do you say welcome in Portuguese? Bem-vindo. Bienvino. That's correct. All right. That's how I was thinking. You speak fluently in Portuguese. <laughs> well, if I, I guess I need to learn beer and banho. Right? <laughs> I could travel. Um, wonderful. So tell me about you. You're an export manager. Were you, have you been in wine uh, since your time in Madeira, or when was your first epiphany? So I think I was fortunate enough not to grow inside of the wine business as the entire family of J. Portugal Ramos. 
I've been sharing the passion of receiving people at my parents' house and my grandparents' house and welcoming people, although all about the experience, the moment, uh, getting, trying to deliver to, 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 to the people that were coming to our place, uh, great food, great environment, just having a, a good gathering moment. And that's what we do normally on a table, right? So trying to prepare something that people would love uh, and the pairing, it's, it's important. So that's what has struck me since the beginning with wine. So everything started actually. Even when I was in college, I was that guy that every time that we had a dinner at someone's place, I was bringing the wine. So, oh. so for me, it was like tr getting to know who going to attend that event and trying to get the best wine for the best food that was, well, trying to have like, uh, a good a good wine for the for the moment. Uh, Wait, were you bringing something like Lancers or Matusset back then? No, <laughs> no, no, no. Actually, I was actually there was actually I uh, had the opportunity during back in Madeira to have even wines from other countries. So it was quite interesting for us for us uh, as a family to have this opportunity to taste things from other parts of the world. So even to better understand what's been done on the wine business all around the world. So this, this is terrific. And by chance, uh, some years ago, around five years ago, I was invited to, to become an export manager for a, another port producer. But since two years ago, when I was invited by Mr. Portugal Ramos himself, who is known in the wine business as the Mondavi of Portugal or the Antinori of Portugal, which is a groundbreaking winemaker in the Portuguese uh, winemaking history uh, that changed the entire setting of winemaking styles and understanding the regions, working the varietals in a country that has so much to offer in a such a small space, which is incredible. So it's like, as I mentioned before, it's it's not a work, it's not a job. It's <laughs> having pure fun. Well, I wonder if uh, Jay Portugal Ramos has a little Italian in him because you're comparing him <laughs> with Mandavi and Anzanori. Um, it reminds me of, is it Barbieri from uh, Spain who created those, uh, those great value wines? But obviously, uh, you've got great mentorship did you try? Did you have some favorites growing up? Obviously, having access to wines of the world, uh, I imagine you've tasted Spanish wines and French wines and German wines. Um, any American wines in, in there in the island of Madeira? Uh, it was not easy to find American wines back then. Uh, we're talking like 30 years ago when I had started seeing wines at the table, so only start drinking at legal age, of course. What's the legal age there? 18. Okay. Okay. So uh, You look 18. <laughs> uh, oh, thank you so much. I think it's the wine so far. <laughs> but, um, no, only had the opportunity to taste American wines more recently, as I've been traveling a little bit uh, throughout the world, so uh, managing directly U.S. market, Canada, uh, Brazil, and then we have an entire export team for the rest of the world. Oh, wow. It's It's been... Uh, Plus the family, which is uh, for us quite quite amazing. So it's really, it's not working on. This is not work. I, I try try always to emphasize <laughs> that it's not work. You know, you keep saying that they're going to stop paying you. Uh, no, <laughs> things are going to work out nicely. But all right. But uh, for us as producers, it's quite amazing to to look at at the country, trying to when we visit, uh, getting to know the culture, understanding the everyday situation for each city. Doesn't matter where in the world. Uh, even yesterday, we had an amazing day, having such a great moment with the professionals also here in Seattle, uh, almost having a tasting and food pairing. It was like for me, like wow. I was trying to f be focused on the, what I had to say and tasting such an amazing food that uh, we had during lunch, during dinner, uh, which is, for us, 
the best way for people to cherish a good wine and for us as a, to promote which is for us a really th special thing which is Portuguese wines I don't promote just the wines for the family of Portugal Ramos for me it's promoting Portugal as a, a wine country that been doing this for almost a thousand years Right, uh, more exposure to uh, the country of Portugal and the, and the wine regions obviously should elevate the consumer's knowledge and appreciation for such wines. Uh, you, um, Portugal Ramos Wines, has a pretty large portfolio. I saw. I think you make some fifteen different wines. Is that right? We are present actually nowadays in four wine regions in, in Portugal. Uh, for um, for the audience to to know, Portugal is such a small country from south to north, more or less six hundred uh, miles. So it's for me. It's a little bit uh, still. So that's basically Vancouver to uh, Salem, I think. Yeah. yeah. So, so two states. Yeah. yeah. Okay. So it's uh, you can drive from north to south in four hours without being spinning <laughs> on the road, which is important. <laughs> okay. But um, for us, everything started in the south part of the country, Alentejo. It was it was us, uh, and I'm probably say this us because. If you travel to Portugal and you've been to Portugal twice, as you mentioned, going to Alentejo, which is one of the probably the driest and more like like a plateau area, full of old olive trees, where it comes the olive oil from Portugal, it's it's amazing. Uh, the more the, the pork meat uh, also from uh, from the country, and has a really historical background on uh, on vineyards uh, there are rec records there that uh, records there that say that over 600 years ago actually uh, there were in some vineyards in in the area and João um, actually has an amazing story behind it so his family for over seven generations are connected to the wine business which is incredible and he looked and understood the wine in Portugal on a time that the country was used to make bulk wine in general and due to the regions, regions of the country, you're talking more than 250 indigenous grape varieties in such place, such a small place as Portugal. And he started to study the best varieties for each terroir. And we're talking that in the region as Alentejo, in our estates, in our vineyards in the Alentejo area, we're talking four, kind of, four kinds of different soils, mini terroir, so every microclimate areas, depending on every 60 miles or 80 miles gonna gonna depend and and Joao started this and this is my first recollection when I was a kid that one of the wines that struck me most was the first varietals the premium varietals that started to appear in Portugal were from Mr. Portugal Ramos so actually this is uh, the Villa Santa the first varietals that came to appear in the Portuguese market and I recall those wines when I was a kid at my parents house because it was okay this is something quite out of the box that normally people use to to find in Portuguese market. It's interesting because uh, to have a variety listed on a label doesn't sound like a European thing, right? We we uh, I, except for Riesling in Germany, I would suspect. Um, usually, it's Rioja or it's Ribeiro do Duero or it's the uh, I, I guess you know Rias Baixas. You might get some of those. In. And they have a lot of blending here, so it's quite interesting to to see uh, that your experience has been with um, some variety wines. One of my favorite grapes that I I never see enough of is Encruzado. Hmm, I know that that one is an amazing. Also. Yes, yeah. that's, that's really cool. It reminds me From of that. a beautiful Marsan, like a Vermitage, something really rich and oily, and um, just a delicious wine. Uh, so the wine, you have four regions, you have four wineries, or do you have one specific uh, vintning place? So we have four wineries, four estates okay. in each region. Uh, it started in Alentejo, as I mentioned to you. 
and uh, then uh, it's for us it's all due to partnerships and friendship and family values so this is why it all started <laughs> you sound like a republican <laughs> <laughs> no but it is because at at some point uh, and we've been around as as a family uh, group for 26 years so last december we celebrated 26 uh, anniversary and nowadays it's with almost 140 people working permanently families there so for us it's not just uh, Mrs. Arjamos and, and the family, which some of them are winemakers, others are like already the marketing managers in, in the company. It's all the people that work there cherish the same passion and same value. This is fundamental for, for as a producer to deliver every vintage a consistent wine in terms of the, the quality that people expect after tasting for the first, the second, the third time. So this is for us quite important. It's not just something that we want to make money. It's, it's interesting uh, to think that um, you know most of our uh, Western Hemisphere understanding of Portugal wines are vintage ports. Uh, and then we're not supposed to drink them until 20 years or so. Uh, but it's good to know that, you know, every vintage is similar and consistent for the most part. I think some of the challenges are, oh, by the way, how wide is Portugal from uh, Atlantic to Spain? We're talking less than 200 uh, miles. Yeah. So two hours you can drive. Right, I so can tell you from Lisbon, which is Atlantic, mid-center uh, part of Portugal, let's say like this, if you cruise just east, you're going to find the winery. So one hour twenty on normal speed, you're gonna find us. <laughs> no, Thirty speed. minutes afterwards, you're gonna be on the on the frontier to Spain. So it's uh, really such a small country, but so much in terms of diversity, the, f the experiences, the food, the wines, and you mentioned already some varietals, and it's amazing for for us to to have this. That was very exciting. Speaking with Bruno Sosa, who is the export manager for uh, J Portugal Ramos Wines. Uh, uh, J Portugal Ramos is uh, one of the godfathers of Portuguese wines, perhaps uh, a Mandavi, if you will. And um, we, I always like the fact that uh, people bring up Mandavi because Seattle has a direct connection to Robert Mandavi because the Rainer Brewery CEO lent Robert Mandavi $20,000 back in 1965 to start a winery. And that's how he started. And so there's this great connection. The Madavi brothers come up here to see uh, Betty Krager, who is the widow of uh, Dwayne Krager, who was the uh, president of the Rainer Club back then. But uh, that's another story. And I'm super excited because we're going to dive into some tasting wines with J. Portugal Ramos Wines from Portugal. Hey, folks, stick around. I got Bruno Sosa, export manager here on Happy Hour Radio. Two regular guys separated by 20 years and a full head of hair. Mark Lee and Van Camp. Weekdays 9 to noon. Talk Radio 570 KVI. It's KVI Want to Know Weekends. And you're listening to Happy Hour Radio. Now back to Seattle Sommelier, Christopher Chan. All right, Seattle. Hey, welcome back. Time for round two. And I've got Bruno Sosa, the export manager for J. Portugal Ramos Wines. Uh, imported here locally, distributed by Noble, uh, which is a, uh, a Noble distributor, of course. Um, excited. We've got uh, a couple whites, uh, a pink, and some reds to come up. Uh, first white, and when I think about white, we always think about cooler climates, something to keep the freshness, the bracing acidity. Uh, tell us about this first wine. So um, the, the first white that we have here is, um, comes from the reg wine region of Vinho Verde, and people... Uh, can easily relate to the region by itself. 
it's our interpretation, it's all due to the partnerships for, for us, that we were challenged to bring the same values that we started in Alentejo, as I mentioned before, with the varietals, to get to bring to the consumer, which is actually the indigenous white varietals from the region of Vino Verde. So it's not blending that typical style that people uh, know nowadays, but it's actually bringing to the consumer, which are the typical grape varieties from a region that is Atlantic, north part of Portugal, in a climate somewhat similar here to Seattle, actually. So uh, some nice rains uh, during the, 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 the expected seasons, high temperatures, uh, granite soils uh, during the, in most of the area. So here we're going to have a uh, varietal, so it's called Loureiro. I promise I'm not swearing to anyone. Lore. Lore. <laughs> <laughs> uh, if you want to translate it, it will be Loro. Well, uh, the FCC shut down, so <laughs> don't worry about it. So um, it um, has a nice uh, citrus notes there. It's going to be um, good acidity, freshness. So imagine food, and this is the best, the best uh, key selling point for everything. It's imagining food for it. Uh, light, uh, light wine, so uh, really easy going. Imagine even from from uh, some shellfish going along with that. It's oh yeah, I'm th I'm looking for um, some Manila clams or some mussels, uh, maybe some uh, prawns. Um, you know, bring it all. So you're anything. paying light for us, right? <laughs> yes, uh, uh, it's dinner time. I'm always hungry at this time of uh, on a Saturday night, but luckily we have some aperitifs, if you will. And this is a perfect aperitif wine because it's fresh, it's light. Uh, of course. It's kind of zingy. It's got this great verve, uh, great energy in this wine. And so Lorero, um, when you think of Vino Verde, that's the nor most northern uh, wine region of Portugal. And Vino Verde, does, does that mean green wine? Well, it's a way of uh, honoring uh, the region by itself. So it's a really heavy rain region uh, full of uh, vegetation. Uh, verdant. Get verdant. It. But also comes when, when we talk about imagining green something it's green is still quite young and uh, normally the tradition on, uh, surrounding the wines from the region of Vino Verde uh, is normally that they harvest a, a little bit younger so have this uh, really high acidity and freshness malic and even acid. some uh, some malic acid there yeah. so it's it's uh, that's the style of it and uh, every time they're going to see and also not just speaking about our wines but every time you see on a Portuguese label saying Vino Verde we talk in terms of appellation a DOC appellation so mm -hmm. it's uh, the typical indigenous grape rice from the region planted within the region so it's a uh, high quality in one hand although in terms of price pointing is also uh, affordable for for uh, for the consumer which and is I see something. a screw top which is always convenient I, I really it like helps. that you it can helps. sneak a glass in it <laughs> it helps. Uh, well when we think about vino verde uh, there are several different white varieties that can constitute a, a bottle of vino verde you said this is 100% Lorero, but there's is Trajadura and yeah. Alvarino part of those two as uh, well as well uh, Trajadura Pedernet Azal Alvarino Azal yeah so uh, normally when you find the typical blend of a vino verde you're going to find Trajadura some, and that might vary from producer to producer also to use uh, Alvarinho, um, which we can also talk about it. because Excellent. Yeah, next wine is uh, Alvarinho, also known as Alvarinho in Spain. And, of course, correct. the uh, Rias Spicius or Galicia is just above Vino Verde. That's uh, it's all ac contiguous. Across, right? across the river. <laughs> the just, river. <laughs> just cross the river and going to enter Spain and find the, the varietal. For us, um, what you're tasting here is a vintage 2015 of a, a, a single varietal Alvarinho from the sub-region, which is the prime region from that grape, also a region that is known as Monson Melgasso which is uh, the premium region for this grape varietal. And this one has already a different uh, approach. So it's not simply 
the grape by itself. It has a little maceration process and uh, some age in uh, in oak barrel, actually French new oak barrels, which is for us giving there a slight twist for the grape variety. So imagine already with uh, polkes, uh, ceviches, uh, so it's a really juicy one. Even we can go for cheese on this one. So it's sure. Uh, I'm tasting this one. I think the palate, uh, the mouthfeel is really significant here uh, because it has a soft texture. And I think the oak is judicious. It's it's certainly not a rambauer, so to speak, a very oaky wine. Uh, but it's it's rounded off some of those edges. And mm. I think you still get some of the, the phenolics from that maceration on the finish here. It's it, it, ta- it has flavor on the finish, not just acidity on the length. Um, this wine... Is is really a a charmer in my opinion, where you've got that oak texture, which a lot of everyone likes oak. I like oak, um, and it's tip, it's not typical to have Albarino in oak unless it's neutral barrel, of course. And a lot of times it's stainless steel. So this is actually really a, a more of a polished expression of I think this grape from the region. You am um, without words at this moment because what an homage. Thank you so much. It's uh, that's what we try to to do every vintage that we present an Albarino like uh, like this. And uh, for us, when we started to to make wines in the region, uh, we tried to be- to get the best also on that. So uh, for the family, for you to understand, we our chief winemaker for the region in the region of Vino Verde Winery, it's actually one of the leading winemaker uh, woman uh, in Portugal, international wine judge. She was actually a researcher for uh, for the grape varieties in the Vino Verde. Her family was like connected to the Vino Verde region for decades, and one day she decided, okay. I mean, had enough for research. I want to make wines, and for us, it's been an honor because even before the, we started with the with the, the wines in Vino Verde, she was already working uh, with the family, and for us, it's like a true pleasure. It's Miss Antonina Barbosa, uh, which for me is a, a true honor to have such a young uh, uh, winemaker lady, uh, quite young actually. She's uh, groundbreaking. It's crazy to to talk and bring uh, talk this uh, this uh, amazing wines that she's been making for her. That's neat. Years. That's neat to have uh, the, the connectivity, the circle, if you will. Um, let's talk about some of the. You said granite soils up there in Vino Verde, but what's the vine training? Is this pergola? Because if so much rain, you want to keep it off the ground. You want to have to, to sort of uh, alleviate some of the um, humidity or or some of the challenges you'd get with with wet grapes. Well, it depends. It depends from uh, from each uh, wine grower. Let's just say a grape grower. For uh, normally, you're gonna the typical the, the typical if you had to p- do a portrait about uh, the vineyards in the right. region, you will basically would have like y- huge vines growing up, uh, up basically up. Uh, you have vines that go easily for uh, two two feet. Uh, sorry, it's, yeah, two meters. Two high, meters. Two meters high. Uh-huh. So uh, six feet, seven yeah, feet, right? Yeah, more or less. So uh, that's also one of the, th- the typicities of the of the region. So it's uh, in terms of the how it's pruned. Uh, how they are, uh, their height and cons- concerning the the floor. So it's quite different in terms of the other wine regions as uh, Douro or sure. Alentejo. So it's uh, quite With unique. The Patamares and all that yeah. stuff. Uh, um, you you actually produce a good quantity of these wines, and I'm I'm sure it's easy to do so because it's such a verdant region, and uh, obviously not any problem with irrigation. Uh, but um, is is everything mechanically harvested or is everything hand harvested? So only for one wine that we produce in Alentejo, it's mechanical. The rest, for every wine, it's hand harvested. And for the wines that, uh, especially for the reds, of course, uh, and the wines that I brought here for, for you to taste, it's uh, all uh, food fraudded, the, the grapes. So we tend to go for the traditional wines. So everything is 
really pay really attention. Even I'm also curious, is um, when we think of, of these wines, are these youthful vines? Uh, are we looking for aged vines for complexity? Because I know once the older the vine gets, the less they produce. But I would imagine with, with your uh, the volume of production here, you would be looking for youthful uh, regions or youthful vineyards there. So I can tell you for the first wine that you tasted, the Lorraine, we're talking between 10 to 15 years. Sure. So for the Alvarinho, we go up to 20. Mm-hmm. And from time to time, we just for the just for the fun, actually, uh, we produce, <laughs> we, we need to have fun. Uh, we need to research permanently. And from time to time, we do a Alvarinho Reserva and even a classic method sparkling Alvarinho. Oh, right. A single variety, which it is awesome. So really small productions. And for those wines, we go for the the older vines that we have at the estate, and some of them for already for a white. We go from twenty five to thirty, so trying to to get the most of nature. But because basically this is one of the best jobs one can have. We don't have a, a rooftop, let us say like this. We work with nature, what nature gives us, low yields in terms of the production. So we will keep everything in balance. Very interesting. I know that we have uh, just a short amount of time on this segment, so we'll come back and join it, uh, taste this wine, this rosé, which is interesting because when we think of vino verde, we think of white wines, and you have a rosé, so maybe some of this is like something of a pinot gris, which gets a little color in the skin. Is this a white grape with color in the skin? or We're talking about two red varietals. Two red varietals. Okay, very good. Um, let's get a website that we our, our listeners can check out, uh, perhaps while they're listening to the show. and. So it's uh, www.jportugalramos.com. So it's our uh, website. It's Portuguese and English. So we have everything in terms of wine tourism there for visiting the estates. Uh, even if you want to come to Portugal, uh, learn how to cook po- traditional Portuguese cuisine. Even if you want to go f- there for the harvest season, we offer you lunch. And, and, yeah, so it's no problem at all. <laughs> what a deal. But, so it's uh, really a nice time there uh, to visit the country by itself. And normally when I speak about the country, it's not just the wines. It's is, they, is this name, middle name actually Portugal? That's his middle name. Oh, my goodness. It's perfect. Marketing. How fitting, yes. <laughs> so fun. I got Bruno Sosa, the expert manager for J Portugal Ramos Wines. Hey, we'll be back with uh, a pink and two reds. So stick around on 570 KVI. He's live, he's local, he's all Northwest. Lars Larson, weekdays noon to 3, talk radio 570 KVI. KVI Want to Know Weekends. Time for another round of Happy Hour Radio with Christopher Chan. All right, Seattle. Hey, welcome back to round three. I've got three glasses of wine in front of me, which makes for a great Saturday night. Hope you got something tasty in your glass. Uh, I'm speaking with Bruno Sosa, the expert manager for J Portugal Ramos Wines. Uh, they have four four wineries, uh, Azuntejo, the uh, the Dow, Vino Verde, and there's one more which we'll talk about. But first of all, we just tasted the Vino Verde, which is 100% uh, Lorero, right? That's correct. And, uh, of course, we had Alvarino, which has a little bit of barrel age, barrel time, a little lee stirring and maceration, which gives a great phenolic uh, flavors. That's correct. Um, and these wines, I'm looking at the price points. I'm just trying to figure out, uh, are these for real? Because... The Alvarino is uh, under fifteen dollars, and the uh, uh, Vino Verde. Let's see, that's under nine dollars. That's correct. So we actually make money on on those. <laughs> so because actually, what we want is to people to have the opportunity to, to drink a wine, uh, just not one time. Uh, so to experience a good moment, 
often as possible as it gets. Well, I, w- I suggest everyone dig into Vino Verde coming about March and April because the w- w- global warming, Seattle will have some sunshine then, uh, and it'll be warm enough that you'll be, be able to sit outside and really have the refreshment factor for that wine. We have a, a rosé from Vino Verde, which, again, is a little um, unique because we think of the white wines of the region, but you said this uh, rosé is made from two red grape varieties. From typical and indigenous from the great, uh, of the also the Vino Verde wine region. So normally you have, the, and it's known that Portugal basically had a huge impact on the rosé market a little bit around the world for almost 50 years. Oh, right? that's right. Yeah, the Lancers and Matus. That's correct. So the Great, best can of holders in the world next to a fiasco. <laughs> <laughs> so for us, when um, we only actually, this is the, the only rosé that we produce. And um, we, because... When entering the the championship of roses, it's a huge competition in the world. Is and that in France? Yeah, it seems so. It yeah. seems so. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, but um, when we try to, it's not just making a wine. So we have to have um, a story behind it. Uh, there are some values on on that. So going for the Vino Verde Rose that we have here with the two two varietals, which is called Padeiro and Uspadeiro. Once again, I'm not swearing to anyone. Uh, you're going to find these uh, almost these notes of red fruits, uh, light color, so easy in terms of, this, of the palate. Some strawberry notes there, some raspberries. It's going to be really easy going, uh, but fresh and a good. A good. Uh, I think it's going to be really interesting for the people to to enjoy it. It's great to see um, well-established wine regions or countries with with great heritage of winemaking roll out a rosé that really hits the mark. Um, you know, I, I love it, and the fact that it's, I mean, since I made rosé, I want everyone to raise their prices. <laughs> <laughs> uh, that helps my bottom line, but uh, I understand that, you know, you don't have to. The land is paid for, uh, and you produce great grapes with um, uh, complex and ca- uh, characteristics. This is a dry rosé. That's great. It's screw top. I love the top. You, you've got that, that fuchsia look, which I think is Really draws in some of those butterflies, if you know what I'm talking about. Um, this is got nice, bright acidity. Are these grapes picked a little earlier and hung for rosé? Uh, is it these grapes are made or grown to be rosé? For sure. Yeah, uh, we don't do anything else with them. Uh, it's uh, every vineyard that we have has a, de- a destiny, so we know what they're being destiny for sure. Putting inside of a bottle to make a great wine for people to have. So this is uh, even for the rosé. They they have a meaning for yeah, for that. and that one is uh, again looks like under nine dollars or so. Um, <laughs> congratulations, darn it! Uh, so fun, uh, really tasty. So uh, we have a couple of red wines here, and um, I was going to ask you how much uh, vineyard land. What's the percentage of red growing in Vino Verde? So it's growing uh, step by step. Uh, the region by itself, uh, you can find more. Nowadays, more producers making for the for a rosé vino verde than by itself a, a red. You nowadays sure. you have nowadays more producers that are also going for the a red vino verde. So for really? uh, for your audience also mm-hmm. to just to, uh, some uh, some info on the region. So you have the white vino verde, the rosé vino verde, and the red vino verde. Uh, wines, so you have also typical indigenous grapes from that region. Okay, so it's uh, it's interesting. Yeah, but yet um, it's going to be um, uh, it's an evolution because all of us, uh, in terms of research, trying to get the most of the grape to, to bring a true style of the region. So it's 
I had some nice sparkling wines, uh, espumantes or espumosas, I think. That's espumante. That's correct. Yes. You speak perfectly Portuguese. <laughs> you need to go there more often. Uh, yeah, I do. I certainly do. Um, I want to learn how to cook Portuguese uh, cuisine. But um, to talk about those grapes and, and uh, is sparkling wine in the northern region, too? Is that basically where those grapes come from or they come from all around? So the typical region for the Portuguese sparklings comes from a region just below the port of Porto City. Okay. So uh, you're talking about the region of Bairrada, uh, basically, yeah. which is a region that for almost... B-A-R-R-I-D-A, Barida, right? That's correct. Yeah, okay. So which which, uh, which for us, it's uh, quite interesting because the fourth winery that we have actually is located in, the sa- in that region, uh, Bairrada. And there, there's a really typical indigenous grape variety. It's called Baga. Probably, probably the most well uh, catchy yes. variety, Portuguese variety, uh, for for our audience to, to get it because it's just for uh, for uh, letters. But that grape variety actually makes not only and it's used for making espumante, which is a sparkling met- a classic method um, for the Portuguese, and we have a long uh, tradition for that. Not only the uh, sp- white sparkling, but also red sparkling for for certain kinds of. Dishes that we can find. I'm already thinking about food. <laughs> no, Sorry about okay. that. <laughs> I'm thinking about food too. Let's move on to these red wines. Uh, this next one comes from a separate property from the Doro. Doro, right uh, along the the Doro River. That's correct. Okay, so what do we got here? So we got here something that started between two mm-hmm. friends, two amazing, uh, two amazing winemakers, João Portugal Ramos, and a good friend of him. Since they were kids, they played together at uh, João Ramos' uh, grandparents' house, studied together in college. One went south starting and basically changing the entire setting of Alentejo. Another one for 26 years was making, which is probably one of the most well-famous red, red wines in, in, in the country, in the Douro Valley. This is a DOC wine from the region of uh, Douro. It's our estate called Duorum. Duorum, it's uh, the Latin word that stands for two. Two great friends, two great winemakers made, which is the last uh, amazing project during in the Douro Valley. Uh, along the river. We are located in the Douro Superior, which is the prime region also of the Douro Valley for wines. And it's a typical blend for the Douro wines. So it's uh, for Toriga Nacional, 40% of the blend, 40% of Toriga Franca, and 20% of uh, Tinta Roriz. For those that know Portuguese varieties, Tinta Roriz uh, is the almost the equivalent as the Tempranillo for, of Spain. So this is something that uh, your uh, the audience also can, can relate to. So... Several several names for the Portuguese grapes. Yeah, Tinta de Toro, Ul de Lebre, all that stuff. Uh, I'm tasting this wine, and my first impression is that it has a very soft complexity. Uh, you've got some oak on this wine, which I think makes it a very palatable expression. Um, it's great in the mouth. It, it's it's less uh, it's less sophisticated. I don't want to say less sophisticated. It's less complex. But it's just enough, and it makes it an interesting glass pour. I think this is something. I'm looking at the price point. It's like, gosh. You, it's it's under fifteen dollars. Uh, it's probably in that twelve ninety nine, thirteen dollar range. And this is a great, uh, a wonderful experience in the glass. This is uh, this is something for us. Uh, and uh, we have a wine. Uh, also, it is called Duarum Reserva Old Vines. That's actually this year got distinguished as the best red wine in, in the country in in Portugal. It's a which nice, one? The, that's the older brother of this one that oh, you're okay. having, which is called the uh, Duarum Reserva Old Vines. Got it. Uh, actually, in the '94 Point Parker wine, and uh, it's it's for us something that's quite unique because the region by itself it's amazing. Uh, 
please go online to see the website. It's amazing, the, the setting of the, the entire uh, estate. We're talking from a state that goes along the river for uh, approximately 200 feet high that goes up to 600 feet high in really short uh, period of time. So it's uh, you're going to get there the, almost like uh, some ripe fruit in, in the middle, but the good acidity because of the, of the soils there. It's uh, basically schist soils. So everything is hand-picked there. It's uh, like a, a work of nature to, to make amazing wines. And this is wines that you're drinking here, Vintage 2014. And I can tell you... Really? I tested, I tested re- recently... It's very fresh. That's the point. So I tested recently, 2010, it was like overwhelming for us wow it's 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 a well i see that you got french and american oak here and i'm curious american oak um was that a was that the original thought typically because you've got a bunch of american oak uh, at your next door neighbor's place we actually try to to use and make the best in terms of where, what uh, exists in terms of oak we go for russian we go we try russian we try american we try french even hungarian uh, to give the most f- for the wine. So the best option for us, it was uh, since the beginning, American Oak and French. For Got it. Well, it makes sense. You, you found something that works, uh, especially... And how old are these vines? Uh, for them, we are talking between 40 up to almost some of them over 100 years old. Yeah, very cool. Hey, I've got uh, Bruno Sosa from J. Portugal Ramos Wines. We have another red wine uh, to finish up in our final segment. Plus, we're going to talk about some of the food and actually how to make it happen. Stick around, folks. Be right back on Happy Hour Radio. Putting America first and holding the powerful accountable. Sean Hannity, weekdays 6 to 9 p.m. Talk Radio 570, KVI. You're in the know with KVI Want to Know Weekends. Here's more Happy Hour Radio with Christopher Chan. All right, hey, welcome back to our fourth and final segment and uh, our fifth and final wine with uh, Bruno Sosa from Portugal. Uh, the last wine we had uh, was the Tons de Durham Red 2015 uh, some of those great port varieties involved. And again, it's under $12. Amazing. The last wine we have here is... Villa Santa Reserva. Okay. And this is from another property, a third property. Is that right? That's from the property that everything started for us. Okay. From the city that everything started for us. Uh, actually, the name Villa Santa is named from a tale that uh, dates back to the 14th century in the, in the Portuguese history, back to the city. This is a wine that for us represents a lot. Recalling the, the the story that I told you told you before in the beginning, that the first recollection that I had from the wines of uh, Mr. Portugal Ramos actually was the varietals from uh, Villa Santa. So here we have uh, a blend of typical grape varieties uh, of the region, and uh, I think this wine ages beautifully uh, throughout the years, having vintages of twenty years already. It's it's incredible for us. It's uh, and the style of wine. Imagine or add food pairing with that. So, well, this is really a polished wine. It, it's it's just got delicious written all over it. And I'm looking at the first grape, Aragonas. Isn't that Tempranillo as well? That's great. <laughs> and in Doro, you call it Tinto Roriz. Tinto Roriz, excellent. Um, this wine actually is 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 got great new French oak on it. I'm looking at the price point. How do you do it? How do you have nine months of French oak, new French barrique, and yet it's still it's it's under probably seventeen eighteen dollars. I mean yeah. that's that's crazy. That's. Uh, Cork finished and everything. Yeah, uh, and natural cork. Uh, we we're talking here. So <laughs> yeah, you have some trees around your. <laughs> we in Portugal. We don't you? are also known for the for the cork in Portugal. That's correct. But it's it, you know, uh, we can make the wines even 
we need to compare, and this is something that I always try to, to pass along every time that I travel. So if you try to compare a Portuguese wine in terms of price point, if it had a different flag, probably it'd be a little bit much more expensive. Sure. Uh, well, good for us. Lucky for us. And these wines are available, um, of course, we always talk about... F- Make a friend at your wine shop or your grocery store, wherever you are, so they because they have the power. They can bring in wines. If you're going to buy them, they're going to bring them in because that's what it's about. It's about sales. Of course, you can always go to our friends at Esquin. And if you remember the old Spanish table, it's now called Paris Madrid store there on Western. Great spot. and uh, Or just uh, check out Noble and, and ask them where some of these uh, Noble, Noble Distributing. Let's talk about uh, traditional dishes of Portugal. Give me two dishes that are really a benefit. Um, practical and, and a great pairing for these reds. Okay, I can have one easy for the Alvarinho. It's uh, one of the things I love to do. It's going on the fish market where I live and go for a really wild sea bass and do it like crested salt. So it's easy. Uh, go there. It's, it's All right. That's a really yeah, easy, that. easy piece there. Or for really uh, some duck uh, for the Villa Santa Reserva, the one that you had just for now. So you guys have more. ducks in Portugal? Oh, we do that. All right. Oh, no. really. We Pato. Do that. Pato. That's correct. <laughs> So fun. Okay, I get that. Um, when's the best time to visit Portugal? Starts in January, ends in December, without any problem. So uh, the best time in the year, of course. <laughs> gotcha. Uh, but to, to get uh, a good season uh, from May onwards until the late October, uh, you're going to find a moderate climate or even in the summertime. So from spring to to fall, it's the best period Skip the skip the winter because it's it's rainy and cold. So it's skip the winter. <laughs> it's the same winter we got here. I'm pretty sure. Um, what what uh, state or, or region in the United States is one of the largest Portuguese consumers? Well, I have to say that I'm uh, really uh, thankful for all the support on the West Coast because uh, for us it's uh, and normally when people try to think in a con- on a country and which city it's more uh, more focused on the wines. This is one of the, those moments for me that's been most uh, incredible because I've been seeing uh, not just connected to the Portuguese community, but to the community by itself. So it's, uh, for me, it's been a pleasure visiting Seattle and seeing not, not just our wines, which is important, but other Portuguese wines that uh, are available to, uh, to the public. And this is actually something that happens quite uh, with a real importance uh, here in the West Coast. I believe that the dry wines of, of Portugal are really values their gems because of the, the age of the vines. Of course, you know, when you put nine months of new French oak on it, it's, it's even more supple and special. Um, what a treat. Bruno Sosa, uh, export manager of J. Portugal Ramos Wines. Thank you so much for sharing your wines, your story on Happy Hour Radio. Thank you so much for having us. It's been a true pleasure. Thank Absolutely. You so oh, Thanks. I also want to know, is there a term in Portuguese called easy peasy? I would say... Yeah, there is. <laughs> but you got I that. heard that. I know. I was like, wow, this guy is very uh, Americanized. Anyway, hey, folks, hope you enjoyed the show. Remember, we have a website. It's called happyhourradio.net. We also are on Twitter. It's uh, at happyhrradio and the Facebook page. If you're ever up uh, looking for a question to be answered, um, I know everything. Trust me, if I don't, I'll make it up. But still, you can count on that because it'll be fun uh, and or funny. And um, I hope you uh, uh, reach out to me. Uh, like I said, check out Guildsom. Uh, it's the part of the Court of Master Sommeliers. They've got fantastic educational materials. They've got study guides. They've got uh, uh, winery profiles and much, much more. And I hope to see you next week here on the radio. Remember, life is always better with a designated driver. Cheers! <laughs>